RT8K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. A top US intelligence official says China is now America's top security threat. LegCo's legal panel may be denied the chance to discuss the UGL payment affair. And with Christmas looming, trade unionists stage a protest demanding more holidays. One of America's most senior intelligence officials says China is the number one national security threat faced by the US. Bill Evanina heads the National Counterintelligence and Security Centre. Here's the BBC's Gordon Carrera. Bill Evanina told the BBC that the security threat from Russia paled in comparison to that from China. China's economic success, he said, had been predicated on the theft of commercial secrets. Since July, 20 Chinese individuals and companies have been indicted for economic espionage. And Mr Evanina said more indictments were coming. He said Chinese intelligence was prolific in using social networking sites like LinkedIn, searching for people who had access to a specific technology who could then be targeted. The chairwoman of of LegCo's legal panel, Priscilla Leung, says the filing of a judicial review application makes it difficult for the committee to discuss the UGL affair when it meets this afternoon. But she says she will consider all views when panel members debate a Democratic Party request to summon the Secretary for Justice, Theresa Cheng, to discuss the the decision to drop a probe into UGL's $50 million payment to former Chief Executive C.Y. Leung. Someone raised the matter that because there is a judicial review, uh, we might not discuss this issue at all. So I think this kind of opinion will be raised in the panel and we would discuss it in the meeting. And I believe we can find some uh, alternative to handle the situation. And it is also up to the discussion to see whether there's a need uh, to have a vote. A Labour group has staged a pre-Christmas protest to demand more holiday time for Hong Kong's blue-collar workers. The Federation of Trade Unions says 850,000 workers, mostly in construction, catering and service industries, will not be entitled to a statutory day off on Boxing Day. Unlike their white-collar counterparts, they must work at Easter and on the Buddha's birthday as well. About a dozen unionists chanted slogans as they marched to the central government offices. Tamkin Choi, the vice chairman of the Federation of Railway Trade Unions, says giving some workers only 12 days off a year takes a toll on family life. We urge government to stand at all the public holiday to seven days because this is the family warming. We are urging government to seriously consider it. This is unfair to all our employees, such as the young staff. We are urging government to consider All the public should be equal. A city government in Shandong province has scrapped a regulation designed to stop property speculators from flipping real estate. The policy reversal announced by the Huzhua city government was the first of its kind since local governments nationally began implementing measures about two years ago to control soaring home prices. It comes as the mainland economy loses steam and new home price growth slows. Mainland property shares rose on the news. Chinese importers have returned to the US soy market for their second round of purchases since the two countries agreed a truce in their trade war. The purchases are the latest sign that China is making good on pledges to buy US agricultural goods as part of a 90-day ceasefire 
agreed by Presidents Xi Jinping and Donald Trump. Last week, state-run companies booked more than 1.5 million tonnes of US soybeans for shipment from January to March. It's the country's first major US soy purchase in six months. A spokeswoman for the US Soybean Export Council confirmed the renewed buying, but did not know the amount. A judge in the United States has delayed the sentencing of President Trump's former national security adviser, Michael Flynn, to give more time for him to cooperate with prosecutors. The judge was fiercely critical of Mr Flynn, saying it could, could be argued that he sold out his country. Mr Flynn pleaded guilty last year to lying to the FBI about his contacts with the Russian ambassador to the United States. At a briefing, the White House spokesperson, Sarah Sanders, expressed the administration's support for Mr Flynn. The delay is something between General Flynn and the courts, uh, and that's something for them to determine what that timeline looks like. In the meantime, we wish General Flynn well, and we'll continue to focus on uh, doing what we do here every single day. New York's Attorney General has hailed the closure of the charity established in Donald Trump's name as a victory for the rule of law. Barbara Underwood, who's a Democrat, accused the Trump Foundation of engaging in a shocking pattern of illegality. Here's the BBC's John Sopel. Far from this being a vehicle for giving and philanthropy, the New York Attorney General has described in the most scathing terms how the Trumps were using this for their own purposes. There was a shocking pattern of illegality, including unlawful coordination with the Trump presidential campaign, repeated and willful self-dealing. This amounted to the Trump Foundation functioning as little more than a checkbook to serve Mr Trump's business and political interests. Trump's attorney said those accusations were inaccurate and politicised. The Yemeni mother of a dying two-year-old boy in California has been granted a visa waiver to travel to the US to visit her son before he's taken off life support. Shamus Wheeler, who currently lives in Egypt, was initially prevented from visiting her son by the Trump administration's travel ban on visitors from seven mainly Muslim countries. The boy's father, who was born in California, had taken him there for treatment. The US State Department spokesperson, Robert Palladino, said it was a very difficult situation. It is a very sad case, and our thoughts go out to this family. But I would also add that we are governed by the Immigration and Nationality Act. You know, we've got a lot of Foreign Service officers deployed all over the world that are making these decisions on a daily basis, and they're trying very hard to do the right thing at all times. The renowned Italian architect Renzo Piano has agreed to oversee the construction of a new motorway bridge in the city of Genoa to replace the one that collapsed in August, killing 43 people. The project will cost more than 200 million US dollars. Here's the BBC's Steve Jackson. Renzo Piano was in Genoa on the day the 50-year-old Morandi road bridge collapsed. He said in an interview shortly afterwards that a beautiful, safe new bridge was needed to provide rebirth and redemption for the city. And it has now been revealed that he will take charge of the project. The 81-year-old is one of the world's best-known architects, who designed the Shard in London, the Whitney Art Museum in New York, and part of the Pompidou Centre in Paris. He says the new bridge in Genoa will last for a thousand years. 
Britain's Defence Ministry says it has 3,500 soldiers ready to assist in the event of a no-deal Brexit. It's been carrying out contingency planning since July. The Defence Secretary, Gavin Williamson, said that the troops hadn't yet been asked for by other government departments, but were there if needed. We've as yet not had any formal requests uh, from any government department, but what we are doing is putting contingency plans in place, and what we will do is have 3,500 service personnel held at readiness, including regulars and reserves, in order to support any government department on any contingencies they may need. Earlier, Britain's Cabinet decided to step up preparations for leaving the European Union without a deal in March. Stephen Barclay is the Brexit Secretary. We're sending a clear message that this needs to be much more of a priority for businesses up and down the country. The government's priority remains to secure a deal, but we need to recognise with 14 weeks to go that a responsible government is preparing for the eventuality that we leave without a deal. The United Nations says more work needs to be done before a committee can be established that would draw up a new constitution for Syria, a step seen as crucial to peace efforts there. Here's the BBC's Imogen Fox. The fact that after months of negotiations there is still no final agreement shows just how difficult the move from the end of conflict to lasting peace is going to be. The presence in Geneva of the three powers who hold most influence in Syria, Russia, Turkey and Iran, does not seem to have brought significant progress. The UN wants what it calls a credible, balanced and inclusive committee – But there is no real agreement between the Syrian government and the opposition about what constitutes balance and who should be included. Traditional leaders in South Africa are calling on the government to take action after 21 teenage boys died during circumcision rituals. The BBC's Valdi Karasa is in Johannesburg. It's believed that many of these deaths were due to dehydration and traditional authorities are saying that parents don't appreciate the seriousness of the right and many of these traditional schools actually break the law. They aren't up to standards. So every year there are deaths reported and why there's been such a spike, traditional authorities cannot say, but they are calling for a national disaster to be declared so that they can go and assist uh, some of these traditional initiation schools, but also track down the traditional healers that are carrying out these circumcisions. The American filmmaker and actor Penny Marshall has died in Los Angeles, aged 75. She's considered one of the most successful female directors ever, as the BBC's Warren Bull reports. Penny Marshall came to prominence in the late 1970s when she starred in the groundbreaking American TV sitcom Laverne and Shirley. It was one of the most watched programmes on US networks and gave Penny Marshall three Golden Globe nominations for Best Actress. She then turned to directing, and her 1988 movie Big, starring Tom Hanks, became the first film directed by a woman to gross more than $100 million. Perhaps her most critically acclaimed work was Awakenings, which starred Robert De Niro and Robin Williams, and earned Penny Marshall a nomination for a Best Picture Oscar in 1991. To the markets, a short time ago the Hang Seng Index was at 25,853, 39 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $27 billion. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 112.32 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar 13 cents. And the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 91 cents. Now to sports, here's Atom Chung. 
We start with football news. The former Manchester United striker Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is tipped to become caretaker manager at Old Trafford following the sacking of Jose Mourinho. United issued a statement saying a caretaker will be hired before they make a permanent appointment for the start of next season. They are currently 19 points off the pace in the English Premier League. The BBC's Simon Stone looks at Solskjaer's qualities. Solskjaer is loved at United, not just for his injury time winner in the 1999 Champions League final, but for the commitment and passion he showed during his nine years as a Manchester United player. It's not known whether United have other candidates in mind, but the Norwegian ticks all the boxes and a disappointing few months as manager of Cardiff will not change that if some kind of a deal can be done with his current club, Molde. Now, despite losing his job, Jose Mourinho is still an internationally recognized name with a history of success. He's won the Champions League with two different clubs and league titles with four different countries, including La Liga with Real Madrid. The BBC Steve Crossman considers where Mourinho could go next. The reason Real Madrid would be a perfect fit, I think, for Mourinho at the moment, and Solari only got the permanent job a few weeks ago, is that Real Madrid need a massive clear out. You know, they need to get rid of some of these big names who are just not doing it anymore. When Mourinho was at Real Madrid for the first time, he got rid of Ike Casillas, which was very controversial at the time, but ultimately I think he was proved right because Casillas didn't really do anything on that level after Real Madrid. Um, or somebody like Paris Saint-Germain in future, who ironically Manchester United have got in the Champions League. Really, to get the best out of Mourinho, he needs a ready-made team. He needs it's a team of stars that he will then really get under his his leash. I don't think we'll see him go into a club again and sort of try and bring through young players because that's, that's not what Mourinho does. On the pitch, holders Manchester City are through to the semi-finals of the English League Cup. They needed penalties to beat Leicester City following a one-all draw through 90 minutes. Third-tier Burton Albion were 1-0 winners over Middlesbrough from the Championship. The other two quarterfinal matches feature only Premier League teams. Tottenham hosts Arsenal tonight. Bournemouth visit Chelsea. And we finish with ice hockey. The Toronto Maple Leafs put seven past the Devils in a one-sided contest in New Jersey. John Tavares, Austin Matthews and Patrick Marlowe scored in the opening period and the Leafs went on to win 7-2. Marlowe's goal was the 544th of his career. That puts him 30th in the NHL's all-time list, tied with the great Rocket Richard. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. A top US intelligence official says China is now America's top security threat. Legco's legal panel may be denied the chance to discuss the UGL payment affair. And trade unionists protest demanding more holidays. The news from RTHK. Stabbing mine and cutting 
Your mind, whatever. 